Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Good morning. It's great to be here this morning. Um, If you uh, don't know me and my family, my wife, Kristen, is right there on the third row. My son is over here waving his hand. That's Joel. And if you happen to know both of them, I know what you're thinking. How in the world can one man be so incredibly blessed? It is just off the charts, amazing. And I, I just, it, it, I love my life. And I love my wife. And uh, I love my son. Um, I'm excited to talk about one of the funnest parts of following Jesus today, okay? So uh, this message is called Financial Stewardship as a Disciple of Jesus, and a couple of caveats uh, here at the start, you know, this isn't going to, I'm not going to be able to communicate everything I've ever thought about this topic tonight, or this morning, maybe tonight by the time we get done, but that's another story. (laughs) Um, and it's not all that the Bible has to say. Uh, so, uh, you know, I encourage you, there will be some resources on the web and on the app, uh, the Antioch app, where you can kind of dig in further if you want to. But uh, the, the key part of this message is about following Jesus and knowing him. I'll also be sharing some things from our personal journey. And, and when, we, when we do that around here, uh, we want to testify about what God has done in our lives, but it's not about, hey, I've done this, so this is what you need to do. It's not about that at all. And we want each person here to hear from the Lord and obey. And we've, uh, we're have we still on that journey of hearing from the Lord and obeying Him. So let's pray before I get started. Lord, I thank you, God, and I'm just full of gratitude for all that you've done in my life, Lord, in our in our family's life. And God, I pray that you would communicate to each heart this morning or what you want to say about financial stewardship. We love you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. So why would this be a good thing for us to talk about in the context of church life, right? This is supposed to be spiritual and, uh, you know, money's just kind of really practical and uh, mundane, but why should we, uh, why would this be a good reason, a good thing to talk about? Well, I'm sure there are many reasons, but I've got two for you. One is that there's a lot of anxiety around matters related to money, right? Anybody ever had any anxiety in your life about finances? I know I have, we have. Um, In fact, throw that, oh, that might be you, is it, is that one of you guys over here? Um, so there's a lot of anxiety around money, and throw those stats up there, if you will. So here's a few stats, but I'll highlight the one that where 65% of Americans said that they will lie awake fretting over money worries. Now, that's two-thirds of you, roughly, in the room. It's, I know it's not you. It's the other person on your right and left, right? But, uh, you know, we've got lots of things on our minds, Stay, saving for retirement, we get that uh, drilled into us a lot. How to pay for health care costs and 
our kids' education, how to pay for our own education sometimes 30 years later, still working on that payment plan. Um, and, you know, there's opportunities to give, there's ministries to support, there's just our monthly bills that kind of keep coming. They don't stop. Can't, you know, haven't fi- figured out how to stop those things. Uh, so there's a lot of anxiety about money. The second reason that I came up with for uh, why this is a good topic to talk about in church life is that the Bible has a lot to say about it, right? Anybody know how many verses in the Bible speak on money and possessions? And if you're in the first service, you can't answer this question. Anybody? Should we start the bidding at 500? Okay, we won't do that. There are 2,350 verses in the Bible that talk about money and possessions. Okay, so take a deep breath. Here we go. Genesis 1, we're going to start at the beginning. Just kidding. We're not going to do them all today. But the point is, the Bible has a lot to say about finances. And uh, because there's so much that it says, and we don't see all of it all at once, uh, people can get kind of uh, see narrow slices of it at a time and sometimes get mixed up ideas about what the Bible says about money. Um, some, some people will just see where, uh, you know, money is a sign of God's blessing and poverty is a sign of God's judgment. And so therefore, uh, the pastor ought to be the richest person in the church, right? That's what some people think. That's what, the way some churches believe. Uh, others believe that money is the root of all evil. It's bad, and if you have a nickel of savings, then you're in sin. And so, therefore, the pastor of the church ought to be the poorest person in the church, right? Well, there's lots of crazy ideas that people can get when we just cherry-pick uh, scriptures. And so we don't want to do that. We don't want to be people like that. We want to uh, be people who follow Jesus in this area. But how we handle resources is so pervasive in our lives, and it's so frequently addressed in Scripture, that we can't ignore the Lord's leadership on on this issue, or we'll miss out on one of the more more important areas of the way that we actually walk out and live our discipleship and following Jesus. We want to be wholehearted disciples, wholehearted followers of Jesus, including in this area. So if, if you don't no, me and my background, I, I work as a treasurer for a family company here in Fort Worth and been there about 14 years. And, you know, so my work is stewardship, right? I mean, that's what I do. I'm kind of stewarding, helping to steward the resources of this, this family business. And before that, I did some work in, in audit, uh, auditing and some tax work. And, you know, that's, uh, helping people understand how to steward their resources and report to shareholders and lenders and that sort of thing, or the government in the case of taxes. You know, we want to steward those resources well. Um, but really, the seeds of stewardship in my life were planted much earlier. Uh, my dad, who uh, was very conservative financially and was very... Uh, methodical about the way he did things he when I would get an allowance he had me keep track of everything that I spent that 
$5 on or whatever it was. I can't remember how much it was back then. Um, that's like $100 today or something like that. But um, so I literally had on a piece of notebook paper a ledger that I would keep when I was a kid. And, you know, I might start out with $5 and then I went to 7-Eleven and bought some bubble gum for 20 cents and I'd, you know, keep track of that. And so these seeds of, of keeping track of resources were sown in me pretty early. Um, so, but here in the, in the context of Scripture, we see stewardship, or I see stewardship because of the way I think in matters of stewardship, I see, I see it throughout Scripture. And I want to kind of highlight at the beginning, but we'll see it throughout, uh, in Genesis chapter uh, 2, we see God creating man in verse 7 through 15. I won't read the whole thing, but he, he formed man from the dust of the ground. And then it said, the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And think about that for a second. He planted the garden. He didn't just like create the vegetables. He planted it. Think about that sometime. Um, and then... Uh, he made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground there. Then in verse 15, he says, uh, it says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So this is before the fall, and the very first assignment for man is to steward the resources that God had provided. Okay, So we see it from the very beginning. We, then we see Abraham being blessed to be a blessing. He's stewarding the blessing of God on behalf of others. We see the nation of Israel stewarding the very presence of God there in the temple in Jerusalem. What a, an awesome stewardship opportunity, right? Fast forward to Jesus and we see him steward everything perfectly. And uh, at the end of his life, he's saying, Father, I have done everything that you've asked me to do. In Revelation, we see the letters to the seven churches. And if you're like me, you see it through the lens of stewardship. And there's affirmations and rebukes related to how well the churches were stewarding what God had provided. Things like love, faith, truth, reputation, authenticity, moral purity, financial resources, spiritual fire. How are we stewarding those things? And then Paul uh, says to Timothy, in, in one of his letters to Timothy, he talks about us reigning with Christ. And what is reigning if it is not some mode of stewardship on behalf of Jesus and with him? So it's a big deal in the Bible, but it's more than money. But the, the risk or the the challenge is that when we look at the Bible, and there's so much to say about it, and we, we tend to look for a formula. Anybody ever do that? And we do it not just with this topic, but what is, what is the rule that we need to follow? What is the order? What is the formula for the perfect way to steward resources? And, and so, again, like I mentioned earlier, we can get kind of off track or even confused uh, so in the event that things are not crystal clear, when we're looking at Scripture and we want to know how to store our resources, who can we look to to know that? 
Okay, I, was, I knew somebody in here was paying attention in these last 20-something years. If you don't know the answer to a question in this church, the answer is Jesus, uh, for those who are new. So here's the main thing. <clears throat> Looking to Jesus as our example, as we give ourselves in relationship with God, we can truly know best how to steward the resources that have been entrusted to us experiencing the peace and joy he intends for us. So the key to this is following in Jesus' example of a close relationship with his Father, listening to the Father, and obeying what he says, and following his direction for you. So Jesus did teach a few things, a number of things about resources and stewardship, and those are important. And I encourage you to, to look at what he taught you know, he taught about giving to the poor. He taught about um, taking care of your family. He taught about um, paying taxes. He taught about uh, <clears throat> not relying on our resources, uh, but relying on God instead. He taught uh, many times using stories about stewardship and even using that word steward, sometimes translated as servant, um, where people have been entrusted with the master's resources for the purpose of, of actually increasing, seeing those resources increase over time. And so there's a, a concept there of investment that is, that is uh, incorporated in some of the things Jesus speaks about. But as I was preparing this, I, I was kind of in a quandary because when Jesus would speak directly to people about financial resources, it always seemed different for each person. And uh, we see him speak to the rich young ruler and say, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And then we see him interact with Zacchaeus, who out of his own response to, to Jesus and what Jesus had brought into his life, he comes up with his own plan of how to uh, use his resources to glorify God. And Jesus didn't look at him and say, hey, you know, giving all that to the poor and returning what you've taken from people, that's not enough. You too go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. No, he didn't say that. Because he knew he had Zacchaeus' heart. And that is what he's after. We see in Luke chapter 8, we see these well-to-do women who are providing for Jesus, and we, there's no record at all of him saying to those wealthy women, hey, you need to go and sell everything and give it to the poor. So Jesus is, he tailors what he says to people because he's after our hearts, right? He's after our hearts. When he knows he has our heart, Everything else, including our financial resources, follow, and we order our lives around that. That's why the great commandment is to love, because if we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then everything else will follow. And really, the heart work in our lives is the hard work, right? Giving something away or, or uh, you know, putting money in the, in the bucket like we do for our offerings, that's easy. Uh, but the hard work is the heart work. 
So what I wanted to do is step back and say, okay, behind what Jesus is saying, what is his perspective? What does he, how does he uh, orient his mind as, it relate, as he related to people uh, in the matter of financial stewardship and resources? Okay, so we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I, I want to kind of summarize to set it up. Because this entire chapter, Jesus is speaking to the heart, to what's happening inside and in relationship with God. So he talks about when you give and when you fast and when you pray, you know, what you're doing on the outside or, or you know, that's outward, that's public, that's noticeable by others is not what's important. What's happening is uh, what's important is what's happening when you're in that secret place with God. What what is it in your relationship with Him? What's happening there is the most important thing that's happening. And so Jesus modeled that right. I mean, throughout the Gospels, we see Him peeling away and going and spending time with the Father. And He there was nothing that could take the place of the relationship that He had with His Father. And out of the, it was out of that that He did everything and said everything. That's what he says in John chapter 5 and 12. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I'm only doing what I see the Father doing. And he, and he did that out of a place of intimacy with the Father. So it's that backdrop in this chapter that he then says in, in verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So when he's calling us to seek first the kingdom of God, he's calling us into relationship the relationship that he had with the Father. He wants us to have that relationship with him as well. And so what happens, uh, what we see then in Jesus is that he knew God that so closely and he trusted him as uh, the owner of everything, of all resources, and as the great giver who willingly and generously and lavishly gives to all of us. You know, we don't have anything that has not been given to us. Think about this, though. God has never had anything given to him. It's all his. He says in Psalm 50, the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I know every insect and every bird. I know what's going on. And if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you because all the earth is mine and everything in it. So Jesus had that level of trust. He knew God that closely, that well, that he trusted him completely with every resource. He never had any anxiety about money. Do you ever see that? Like in, in, at the wedding in Cana, you know, his mom's a little anxious about not having enough wine for the guests. And if she's nervous about it, there's probably others too that are nervous about it. He's not nervous at all. You know, this is not a big deal for my God, Right? The people are listening to him speak on the hills and, and the disciples come to him and say, hey, these people are hungry. Uh, we need to send them away. Uh, we don't have enough 
we don't have any food to feed them. We don't have enough resources to buy food for them. They're anxious. Jesus, no. He's not anxious. Not anxious at all because God allocates resources where He wants it at any time. And so we can trust Him completely as the owner of all things and as a as the great giver and as a good giver. Do we, how do we trust him? Do we trust him as a good father? That's a different message, but that's what Jesus is speaking from, that place of trusting him. The second thing that he, uh, second perspective uh, related to his lack of anxiety is that he modeled having an eternal perspective. You know, when he was about to go to the cross, He says in John chapter 17, uh, God, I've done everything you've asked me to do. And I look forward to being with, having the glory with you again that I had before everything began. He doesn't even really mention much about his 33 years. And whether it's 33 or 103, this life is a blink of an eye. And when we orient our lives to having an eternal perspective, we follow in Jesus' footsteps. We, we are using the mind of Christ and orienting ourselves to eternity. We want to mirror that. Randy Alcorn would summarize it this way. He says, we have a short-term visa on this earth, and it's about to expire. Those of you who travel internationally, you kind of get that more than the rest of us. Another way he said it was, it's kind of like having Confederate money at the end of the Civil War. You know, I used to be able to do something with this, but uh, not anymore. And, you know, we want to orient our minds to eternity and be like Jesus in that way. So when we study the life of Jesus, we see that he not just taught Matthew 6, but he lived it. So what does this mean for us? Right? So there's, there's the spiritual dynamic and the practical dynamic that work together because like, we, like the first part of Matthew 6, the practical without the, the spiritual is just worthless, completely worthless. So we first give ourselves to God in relationship with Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. So we, we seek first His ways. We, we're in, in intimacy with Him. We're in fellowship with God. We're responding to his his tailored direction for us in our lives. So, how does this look for us practically? Um, you know, it will look different for every one of us, but it does get practical, right? It translates ultimately into practical walking it out. So, for us, our big places of of trust in God and His provision have been around job related moves. Uh, and in 1995, we moved from Dallas to Waco because we felt like God was drawing us to Waco. We didn't even exactly know why. And we uh, put a, a notice on our apartment. We rented a U-Haul, and I hadn't even had a job interview yet. And, <clears throat> but once we took that, faith, that step of obedience, step of faith, of obeying what we felt like God was leading us to do, he opened up a, a job for me there. Kristen went down and found us a place to live. 
And I, I can tell you that that move has been uh, so strategic in the trajectory of our lives. Later in 2004, uh, we were living here and going to church at what was Christ Fellowship before we changed our name. Not a different church, same church for those who are new. Uh, and, and my job was being relocated to Ohio. And we grew up in Texas, and the idea of going to Ohio wasn't real high on our priority list. But <laughs> it's a beautiful country. Um, but we were like, well, God, we want to follow you. Whatever you want us to do, we'll follow you. And so uh, there were several of us praying, because at about the same time, we had received a that pretty expensive medical diagnosis in our family, and and we were like, God, uh, what what are we going to do? We felt like we had re- the the medical resources here to help us with that, and uh, but we got this job offer in Ohio. What are you? Gonna, what are we going to do? And so we we just kept trusting the Lord, pressing into Him, and crazy story that I won't cover here. But He opened up a an opportunity here that uh, not only covered those extra medical costs, but it allowed us to stay here to get the help that we needed. And and honestly, that move, or non-move, if you will, has completely altered the trajectory of our lives. And we're still here, you know, 14 years later, rejoicing in what God has done. So uh, we can trust God with His resources uh, because he can reallocate them at any time. So um, a couple of practical tips and, and some other things that have worked uh, well in our lives. You know, we tend to think uh, that financial stewardship is something that I'll do when I make a little bit more money. So I'll, I'll earn my way into good stewardship. And... Uh, I've tried that. Let me save you some time. It does not work. And so the the way that it has worked for us is, and I, I don't think it's worked any other way for anybody, uh, probably, but is that we learned to live on less than we earned. That sounds so uh, basic and fundamental, and yet it's so difficult. Honestly, in a world of unlimited choices, uh, it's so difficult to do that. And yet it is the first practical step for um, that helps us be able to do all the other things like like giving, but also like saving and covering unexpected costs that come up. And so one way that that has played out in our lives is we uh, we uh, when we have paid off a car, uh, we kept making those payments into a savings account so that later when we needed to replace the car, we had money available to do that. Um, and But we only could do that if we didn't spend that money, right? So we l- intentionally lived on less than what we were making. Um, another way that that has played out that's really had a significant impact in our um, in the way that we organize our giving, and, and and this is 
has really changed us and it had a significant impact. And it's what I call the power of generosity to change our perspective. And so uh, what that is, we have what, what I call three buckets. So we have the, the regular uh, tithe type bucket where we're supporting the local church. And we have another bucket that we uh, use, that we use for uh, regular mission support and different, you know, regular monthly type of, of things that we're committed to. And then we have what we call the fun bucket. And I mean, not that those aren't fun. Those are the first two are fun too, but the third bucket is really uh, gotten us uh, so much joy. We've received so much joy from this, and that is, we set money aside every month, but we don't know what it's going to go for. And some, uh, you know, sometimes there's needs that come up, and we have some money ready, and we're like, yes, we want to get in on that. And it's kind of like. Uh, you know, when we when we invest with God, I call it investing with God and in, in investing in His kingdom. It's kind of like if you, I don't know, pick your favorite current genius. You know, he used to be Mark Zuckerberg, maybe Elon Musk or um, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett for some of you investment people. You know, if they came to you and said, hey, we're launching a new venture and... Brian, I want you to invest with me. You get, can you invest with me? I mean, who wouldn't kind of jump at that opportunity, right? Because it's almost a sure thing. These guys are geniuses, and there's absolutely nothing I can do to impact the success of that venture, right? My, I don't have enough money to make it work. I don't have enough skill or talent to make that thing work. But it's going to be a successful venture. It's kind of like that with God. When we... When we invest with him and what he's doing, and believe me, he is doing things constantly all around this room, all around this city, and around the world. He is moving, and he's reallocating resources, right? And we get to get in on that. And so uh, it, it has given us so much joy. And one early on, what got us um, going on that was to... As Kristen had prayed about uh, giving her, she felt like God was leading her to give her whole paycheck, which was $450 at the time, to a special uh, giving campaign when we were down at Antioch and Waco. And we needed that, honestly. You know, the budget guy, I ran the finances in the home and kind of was like, oh, well, didn't really count on that. But we prayed about it and we were in agreement and we went for it. We experienced so much joy in that. It was really surprising to us. It took us off, uh, uh, um, kind of surprised us. And, uh, but it also whet our appetite for more. And it really kind of created a bit of an addiction to it, really. Because we love seeing what God does when we partner with Him and what He's doing. And it's just been so much fun. Um, yeah, so... Lastly, just a couple of parting exhortations, if you will. And one is, don't waste time and energy judging what other, how other people handle their resources. You know, God wants us to be in relationship with Him. And He will speak to us and He will lead us. But it's a journey. 
and somebody else is on a different place along the journey. And there are more things that God is, is going to show me and lead me in in the area of, of financial stewardship. So please, extend me grace, and I'll do the same for you. Then start where you are. You know, if you're, if you're like, yes, I want to do that, but I, can't, I don't even know how to do this thing up here because I'm here. Well, you know, just take the next step. Wherever you are in this journey, it's about following Jesus. And that's, a, that's one step at a time. And then lastly, have fun following the Lord's direction and stewardship. This is not a bummer to live this way. It, it brings such incredible peace and joy that uh, once you've tasted of it, you, you don't want to live any other way. So please stand with me as the worship team and the ministry team come up. And we're going to have people available to pray uh, with you here at the front. And a couple of things I felt like God was highlighting to us as we uh, look to Him. One is if you sense the Lord prompting you to make an adjustment in how you think about and how you handle finances, I just encourage you to say yes to him today, even if you don't know exactly what that means, and come down and, and pray with somebody. And then I also know that there's likely to be people in the room who are in what they would consider to be a financial crisis, or maybe, maybe you'd describe it as chaos, financial chaos. And you need a breakthrough our God, we can trust Him for breakthrough in this area just like any other area. So I encourage you to come get prayer. And lastly, if, if you're out there and you're thinking, wow, I, you know, I get you know, giving to this and, and saving money, I, I get that, but I don't quite connect with what it's like to have a relationship with God like you've described. If that's you, and you're, the good news is that today can be different. You can leave this place changed, and you can have a relationship with the God who created you and who loves you. And so if that's you, I encourage you to pray with somebody today and say, I don't know what to do, but I want to start a journey of a relationship with God today. And then if there's any other need, any other uh, need, health need, or, or just something God is speaking to you this morning, I encourage you to come and get prayer this morning.